0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number Store or sleepnumber.com. Hey friends, have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships? My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach, and within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to RelationshipSchool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer. I am joined, as always, by my fearless and amazing co-host, Kristen Williams, doctor of physical therapy and lit, amazing teacher.
1: Thank you, Laura, for that beautiful uh, (laughs) intro. I'm so happy to be here. As always, I'm joined by my fearless friend and leader, creator of the Lit Yoga Method. <laughs> and just an extraordinary person from tip to toe. Oh, Laura. my gosh. Let's just end right there.
0: <laughs> 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 Thank you, my dear. Okay, so we have got a question from Iza Minnick, G21. So this woman says she feels, or man, um, I can't tell by the picture, so apologies. Um, Feel tightness and lower back in my hamstrings. In handstand, my hips are far away to stack over the shoulders, even when tiptoe. Any suggestions? The same happened when I used to practice headstand. I couldn't tiptoe close enough to get the hip over. So the limitation is getting that pelvis over because it sounds like you're feeling the tightness in the low back and hamstrings and you are not alone <laughs> i
1: think <laughs> no, you're not
0: <laughs> um, this is the thing that first of all you're not alone and the second thing is that you are taking yourself into a pretty dramatic shape where that requires that you open up the back such that you can get the pelvis over your shoulders and that is um that's work so I always say handstand is so great because it challenges everything, but especially our patients (laughs) because uh, we have to develop the range of motion, you know, so in your hips uh, to a degree in your hamstrings and in your thoracic spine, in your shoulders. And then you have to develop the strength within that range because the different parts of the movement into handstand, I always think of it like it's like little dials, you know, and it's like, you get to here, you get to here, you get to here. You can't, very few people can skip from zero to 10. It just is a process. So let me first reassure you that this is very common and everyone is eager to get into handstand and it takes time, especially if you have that feeling of tightness. Um, so the thing to do is to be patient and continue to do the things that will open up that back fascial line. What's, Since I don't know your practice, what I would say is really make sure that whatever movement practice you're practicing, whether it's lit yoga or something else, that you're consistent because it's the consistency that really, really matters. That's where you're going to just kind of chip away at the, the restrictions and the flexibility and get stronger and stronger. But if you're not consistent, say, for instance, in how you forward fold, if you're forward folding and you're pitching your pelvis back and rounding the upper, the the mid back and low back, that is going to show up in something like a handstand. The other thing I say about handstand, it is the truth teller. You cannot bypass things that you can bypass in other um, poses. So you have to learn, are, so my big question would be, are you flexing well at your hips? Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be that you're not rounding in your spine to get your hands down for a handstand, a forward fold or anything else, pyramid, on and on. Um, I've seen a lot of people who back off that, get blocks under their hands, and they change that back of tissue, which seems kind of counterintuitive because you think I'm getting more away from the floor but you're holding the consistency in your form. The triple S that we talk about in in LIT, um, can you hold that scapula, sacrum, and skull in the same line in many different ways, whether your head is down and your sacrum's up or it's all in one plane or or vice versa and standing. uh, The consistency to me is the number one thing you have to work on to open up that back fascia.
1: And- I am that person, you know, I was there, um, I I, I have decent hamstrings, I, you know, they're within normal limits, uh, but they are not hyper flexible. I, I am not the person that can get my hands on the ground and get my hips up over with the foot still on the floor, you know, so I have developed my own, you know, use of momentum where I really sit and push. But that ability to do that was created with a ton of what you're talking about, repetition. And where was I learning? I wasn't learning in my hamstrings or my leg. Well, I was building quad strength. I I will say, if you can't lean into a handstand, you need to be able to push into a handstand because the second you try kicking into a handstand is when you lose your core. If you kick with the top leg and that is your MO, you are automatically going into that kind of triple extension and you lose your your core so learning how to because your hamstrings are going to keep your knee bent you need to be able to push with your quadricep and so and that was just a ton of repetition for me where i built that strength in my quad and then I was also building this the awareness in my shoulder girdle as to where I needed to go because I couldn't lean in and get my butt up there and be like okay now I'm there let's do the rest. It was a there's momentum involved. And so I wouldn't say my way was harder because I think it's very hard to lean in and then lift up with the strength of the abdomen whether you have long hamstrings or short. They're both they're just different. So A lot of people will say my hamstrings aren't long enough to do a handstand and they aren't long enough to do a handstand like you might see people on Instagram doing them. Because Mm -hmm. most of the people on Instagram who are taking the pretty pictures are there with the long hamstrings and they're the dancers and they're the gymnasts who um, are able to do that and it looks really pretty in a picture. My handstand, like, I mean, it's like bent legs getting up there. Now, once I'm up in the air, it can look really nice. But, um, you know, I just don't have that hamstring length. So, and patience. Amen, sister, that you said Mm -hmm. that. Because I'm talking every single day for years is what you need to put into this. And by all means, have fun. Yes. Yes. Have fun if with the whole it, process, even if yeah, you never get all the way. back. It is not the goal. It's the journey because it is fun. There's a high when you go upside down, all that blood rushes to your head. You fall, you got to laugh. The second you make it into a task, you're going to lose the joy. So I started when I, cause I went through that phase where I was beating myself up and it wasn't anybody else's issue, but mine, I was the one saying, well, what, why can't I do this? Well, the, it, you know, beating my, and I, forget it. I had to let it go. I started doing handstands out in the grass. I started doing handstands with my kids. I started doing handstands with my track team and I made it a joyous occasion, but I was doing it every, 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 every single day. And then your body starts to learn because we aren't walking on our hands. We aren't standing on our hands as bipeds. This is a brand new skill especially if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s trying to learn it.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So be be patient. Yeah, be patient. And
0: like, I think it's so important. Have fun. We have seen, you know, teaching so many thousands of people, like um, the ones that are just at it and just having fun with that little bit of hop and holding consistency and then holding consistency in their practice um, really develop more, more of the joy than the people like you were saying, where it's a task, like I'm going to get up, you know, when people write me and they say, okay, I want to learn how to handstand in two months. I just kind of want to chuckle and, but also give them a hug because I want to say ease off. Like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a foreign movement. We haven't been on our hand, most of us in a long, long time. And there's a lot of, lot of shifts. And so let me just go on a little pedestal too here and say, not pedestal, but preacher's box please to kristen's point stop trying to override your body and kick yourself up there because you whether that's a false sense of getting up like you're gonna get up but really it's not it's not a great way to get up and so I I really wish people would stop teaching people to kick up they're like well then you can at least experience it but you need to experience all those little, dots along the way. You can't see me maybe if you're not watching YouTube, but little points along. Don't skip from two to seven because that makes you feel better or that makes you feel like you can check off a box or whatever. You really want to feel the process of shifting, leaning, getting up, pushing off, adding the hop, add a bigger hop to Kristen's point, push down into the ground. This is Newton's law. Up, you know, equal and opposite force. You push harder down, you're going to get your pelvis up. You're not going to get it up well by kicking your top leg, which is not really having much control. Um, I've seen some people do it and then they kind of get their control, but you're losing your core. You're really, you're skipping the steps. So that's all I want to say is please be patient, have fun, and know that it can take a while. And in the process, you're gonna be balancing out your body more and more. So there is there are fewer restrictions, speed bumps that I like to say that get in the way. All right. Um, Andre kah Andre Ka. Uh causes and treatment of sacroiliitis. Anytime you hear itis, that's a, oh, ouchie. <laughs> you want to take that on? <laughs>
1: yes. Yes. <laughs> itis is uh, synonymous with inflammation and it, it is an overused um, term, an overused Uh, suffix, I guess we'll call it. Um, Because a lot of times for something to be a true itis, it's an acute inflammation. And most people, they might, well, people do have acute sacroiliitis that then goes away. You know, most people are dealing with more of a a chronic issue. Um, and, and so sacral iliitis is usually right where the, the the sacrum, which is the flat part of the spine, right between the tailbone and the lumbar spine, where it meets the, the ilium, which is like the, the two wing bones, the Mickey Mouse ears of your pelvis. And so we've got very, very thick, strong ligaments that, that hold those two bones together, or well, three bones, the sacrum in the middle and the two ilium, uh, together like a tongue and groove joint. And so uh, we were just talking about this a few weeks ago where you know this is the conduit of of energy and and it is a it is a think of a tongue and groove joint in a piece of furniture I'm looking over at my one of my dressers over there. It's built that way so as not to move. It's built that way to be stable and so is our body. And then you look at what's right next to that you've got your hip joints which is a ball and socket joint. So think of mechanics. If you saw something on a machine that was a tongue and groove, would you try to move that or would you look at that ball bearing and try to move that? Well, you would go to the ball bearing. Unfortunately, what we do is we don't move the ball bearing joints and we instead get or try to get or we end up getting defaulting to trying to move through those sacroiliac joints and they get inflamed. Imagine... like, you know how you're making a fire and you see they rub the two sticks together. That it, because it's, you know, motion creates inflammation. Not, stability does not create inflammation. Motion does. So that is what is going on. So when someone has sacroiliitis, I am usually taking my gaze away from the SI joints because I know they're not supposed to be moving. So what isn't doing its job? What is not containing in the core? Is the core not strong? So it's allowing that accessory movement. Are the hips not moving? So that has to move. Is the thoracic spine not moving well? Are we hypermobile in the lumbar spine? Which again is transferring down into the SI joint. So try to look away from when you have an itis in in a joint segment that shouldn't be moving, look away to what isn't moving and should be. What do you say about that, Laura? Uh, Yeah, I would
0: say exact same thing. And I would look at, you know, your posture, because if you're, again, getting back to pelvic tilt, if you're tipping forward, you can even put your hand back on the sacrum, which is the flatter area there. If you tip forward, it goes with you because it's because of its connection to the ilia. And that is um, then, you know, that there's compression there. What is ironic is if you tilt forward, you also tend to round the same way, the opposite direction. So it's like, that is, there's too much movement there. anterior tilting, you're pushing it forward. And then you, because you're like tighten your back fascia and all these other things you round. And so that's just getting tugged on. So absolutely work on hip mobility and, um, work on your, your posture because that's setting you up for how you're going to move well and also know about the sacrum if you ever look you could just google it there's a lot of little um holes in the sacrum and those are nerves that come through those holes so um itis can be you know inflammation uh of a lot of different things it could be the tissue around there but it could also be the nerves are like really pissed off and they're sending out their own signal of inflammation so you know don't anytime you feel pain, like Kristen said, in an area that is supposed to be stable, think about how you can better stabilize it, which is going to be finding your triple S and then mobilizing the big joints that are made to move. That will take care of so many of these issues. If you just continue to move in the same pattern, you will continue to irritate it, and that is not what you want. And practice lit because we this is this is all we do is practice how <laughs> you can retrain. You know better movement through better posture, etc. So we have a couple of COVID questions, and let us just full disclosure: we are not COVID experts by any means. We're a physical therapist, so we can only give you advice on kind of our, you know, hypothesis. So um, home life eleven says adverse reaction to the COVID vaccine, like swollen lymph nodes, is it better to rest or move? So let's just say uh, this is anytime you have swollen lymph nodes because you're 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 having a the swollen lymph nodes is your body's reaction responding to some people didn't respond to the vaccine. Some people responded a lot. Um, but let's just say anytime there is some kind of foreign um, body in there that your body is trying to fight, um, there's going to be an increase in production in the um, lymphatic system, all those wonderful little micro armies that are going to come in and try and do their job. and And you'll feel s- swelling in certain lymph nodes as that Um, swelling of the lymphatic tissue occurs. And so, but what I'm more curious about is like, what does your body overall feel like? If you feel fatigued, um, gentle, like walk a little bit. But if you get out of breath or you're really sore or it just feels like I want to lie down, really honor that. Now, day after day, if you've had it for a while, then you, you have to get up and move because ironically, moving is going to help get that lymphatic system um cleared out. But I would say definitely be more gentle, move a little bit, rest some, move a little bit. I wouldn't go into anything like super rigorous um, until you feel like you have more energy. Any comments on that?
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you completely, especially if we're talking about that, that, that lymph, that lymph node, you know. In, in, Inflammation. I, I do know whenever you get an, an injection, whether it's the flu vaccine or the COVID vaccine, in that arm, that that muscle soreness, um, the best thing for that is actually is moving it. it. I know. <laughs> Every time I got mine, I was like, move it. I got it right away. Yeah. 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 And so like move it like crazy. But yeah, you know, I think that you need to honor your body's um defense mechanism, which is that acute short term, maybe fatigue that you're feeling. It should resolve. But um, you know, once you get out of that, then by all means get back into your moving. And um, you know, I definitely know I I had COVID and then I got the vaccine, you know, maybe two months later. And it definitely, you know, I didn't really have any major symptoms of COVID when I had it. I lost my taste and smell. And it was then, and I was a little bit out of breath. Um, But I was still teaching five yoga classes a day and I didn't even realize running. And then when I realized I had it, I ramped all that down, just knowing what I knew about COVID and possible side effects. And I will admit that when I got the vaccine, it it was like started that back up again a little bit like, whew, there's that tightness of, you know, you know, breath. So I did slow things down and I just more out of precaution, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, Monitored my pulse ox, my my oxygen levels in my blood. I monitored my heart rate, just as a way to stay active. I was still active, but you know, I d- I went down to a run walk and walked more than I ran, just just to be intelligent and preventative about it. Um, and when I was tired, that that first twenty four hours, thirty six hours, I didn't do jack diddly. <laughs> You I know, know yeah. My body heal, and then I got back. So, yeah,
0: yeah. Listen to your body and and move to the amount that feels right, but don't feel like you have to hurry back to you know your regular routine or anything. But it is good to move to some degree. Absolutely. And um, you know, piggybacking off of that, Sabrina Kunidas, my mom has long term COVID and senses fatigue very quickly. What part of a lit class would you recommend her? She can only move 10 minutes at a time and then needs a 10 minute break. So first of all, I'm sorry about that. I know long-term COVID is really um, so challenging and there's so much we don't even know about it. Uh, but I would say, you know, kind of break up Sabrina, if you're familiar with lit, break it up like into segments, if she can do the reset for 10 minutes and then, and then need a break and then maybe come back when, when she feels like and do Sun Cell 1 and then take a break and then maybe do one sequence and that could be it, you know, for a day. And maybe she doesn't do all three of those segments in one day, but, um, just follows her own internal guideline. Like to, to Kristen's point, watching about her pulse. Now she's long-term COVID. So probably the, um, the issue with the, uh, oxygen saturation being lowers might not be there. I haven't heard of that as a long-term issue. But the fatigue is definitely something I have heard of. So I think it's just that balancing of like doing a little bit and then she can go on to the next
1: segment when she feels like it. Do you have any other suggestions there? I, I, I do have one. I remember when we were talking with one of our um, students when we were we were doing one of our level two um, cohort uh, groups, was t- she had long-term COVID and, and she really talked about how much a lot of the side, you know, getting into the fascia of her thoracic spine and her ribs. So you might, Sabrina, look into some of our thoracic stuff, thoracic mobility. She talked about how much that helped her catch her breath, because I do think when we have a COVID or any type of a flu, you know, type of a response. This is an inflammatory response. And sometimes it affects our soft tissues where they might get a little overactive and things start to tighten down. And what she found helped her the most was like, you know, a sup- a, a sideline thoracolumbar rotation, warrior two side bending, breathing exercises, mm. trying to open up in the ribs. And the thoracic spine helped her dramatically. So that would be my one other recommendation is maybe it's not a lit class. Maybe it's a lit mobility class that we are putting more and more of those on there where they're, they're shorter. They're 15, they're 20 minutes of just mobility exercises might be great for your mom to help open up her lung capacity just by way of mechanical availability of expansion. Mm, I love that. I think that's so,
0: so important because we don't, we don't realize how much that um, the musculoskeletal does affect um, the breathing mechanics. Like you, anybody that I mean, just if you sit mm-hmm. in a rounded position, you realize, oh wait, this contracted position is limiting the excursion of my breath and the capability of my diaphragm to move and the ribs to expand. And so um, that you know, all the all the extra practices, exercises to enhance your breathing, um, full excursion would be super helpful. I love that you mentioned that. All right. Well, as always, this was such a joy. Loved your questions. Hope we answered them sufficiently. And please send us your questions. We love anything. No, nothing's off the table. (laughs) <laughs> COVID, <too>. COVID <laughs> whatever, to COVID, whatever. Ask the questions. Animals, humans, movement. We're we're here. Um, they are our opinions. So take them or leave them. We're just trying to do our best and um hope that we impact you in a positive way in any way we can. So you can write us at
1: laura.hyman at uh, Instagram and KB is KB Williams99. And you can also write us at support at lityoga.com. Those get to us as well. And um, you know, like like you said, we 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 do have a lot of experience between the two of us. Whether it comes between physical therapy, yoga, motherhood, just being a female, marriage, you know, children, you name it, we kind of open the door to. We'll we'll give you our best answer. So
0: yes, we're doing our best, and we'll happily share. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you well, guys. I love you. I love you too. As, As always. always.
0: We're pulling pulling for you! you. Yay! High five! (laughs)